Sokazan offers these talks without expectation of anything in return. If you would like these talks to continue, please visit our donate page at sokakoji.org forward slash donate. Good evening or morning if you're living in some place that's not here. This evening's Dharma talk is titled this isn't going to be easy. That's, that's Unyo's talk title. What I'm basically addressing is some questions in the open heart meditation today or, and some things that we were, we're just trying to perhaps just to look a little bit about the terrible, horrible stuff that happened in Texas. It's difficult to talk about or speculate on or anything. So. And as I've said uh, many times in different ways, and I'll say it again today, most important thing you, you can do is train your mind so that you, so that you see your own aggression, your own uh, little tiny skirmishes of war, your conflicting emotions about the nature of what this whole thing is about, meaning you, your life, your environment, your fellow human beings, what it, what it fun, is fundamentally. Spend some time with that. Find out. Don't get your don't get your truth or your understanding from anyone. Might need some help, but it needs to come through your consciousness, your awareness. You need to see it, and you will not, if I may say it this way, will not be able to figure this out. The intellect, the mind, the thinking mind, the calculating, the the evaluating, the navigating, sorting out mind can take you a long way. The upside of it, it can take you quite a ways. You can begin to understand the nature of this world through explanations of it, of relative truth. Naming things, categorizing things, giving them different levels. Helpful, can be very helpful. But the fundamental understanding that has been pointed at, not only by the Buddha, but by the teachers down through the centuries, is that you have to see it. You have to actually see it yourself. Your teacher, he or she, or they might be able to point to it and maybe continue to point to it. And maybe wrap you on the head a few times and say, did you see what I was pointing at there? Or maybe not. Maybe they teach a different way altogether. But you have to see it. And it is, uh, it, it, it's horrible, but it is a distraction to, to look at the a mind that has gone awry and that is suffering deeply, so deeply and so terrified of its own life that the only way it can that it can uh, stop from being terrified is to find something that is as helpless as they feel like these small children and take their lives and not only take them but do it in a horrible vicious way not that there's any good way to take someone's life but this comes out of fear and that fear comes out of the fear that was uh, around that person as they were being raised and, and on and on. It just is dependently risen, cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. And it's so very complicated. You can't enter into that somewhere with some kind of a screwdriver and just repair something. There's nothing to fix, but there is a lot to see. If you go at it with how can I stop this fixing it, you can't remember to stop it. If it, if something shows up, it has a right, if you've heard me say 14 times, has a right to be there. Not that it's justified or validated, it's a good thing, or it's okay because it's there, so therefore it's not horrible or painful or difficult. But the singularity that shows up as any event is just w way too complicated. It's not going to, I don't, I don't want to get into the political aspect of it much at all, but maybe a little bit. I just want to say that 
it would be good to have better gun laws and all of the other things that a lot of people are talking about on the news. No one is mentioning the spiritual path or the path of awakening because it's not taught in this culture. And even in the cultures that it is taught, it's sometimes misunderstood as accomplishing something, getting somewhere, being somebody else, being somebody better, somebody more enlightened. No, it's worse than that. It's not going to be easy for you. If you're interested in this path, I can just about guarantee you that this is going to suck. But I wasn't the first person to say that. The Buddha said it 2,500 years ago. And what did he say? He said, life is suffering. The cause is wanting something else. And the, the, the goal is the uh, cessation of suffering. And the, the path is, of course, um, Marga, or the, the path leading to awakening, which couldn't be said as the Eightfold Path, or the way I say it is discipline, meditation, wisdom, Sheila Samadhi, and Prajna. Discipline, sit down, hold still. Meditation, look at it, look at it, look at it, look at it, look at it. Wisdom, seeing what it is. The first two take a while. Just continue, just continue. If you're listening to me, I'm here to to do, I, I can't do anything really more than just encourage you to do this. There, this is not a, a mundane path of results. This is a spiritual path of transcending the whole need for results. The whole idea of separation that shows up as cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. You can join that. You can just pick up, take a place in there and say, well, I'm going to be a cop that stops crime or I'm going to be a criminal that is sick of being abused by everything, and I'm going to, I'm going to get mine before somebody else does. They're all rather self-validating. And they're all about a belief in a solid, separate self that can win, can lose, can be born, can die. All the polarities, those are all misunderstandings, enormous misunderstandings. So much so that we have a horrible situation that we've been having, what, every couple of weeks or something like that happens. So what I'm saying is if you're interested in a path of awakening to what this is, not how to fix it, there's nothing broken. whole lot of confusion is happening there, but it's not about getting in and working on repairing the confusion. It has to be a path of transcendence. Otherwise, we're just on the surface, going from this lifetime to the next lifetime to the next lifetime, fixing this, and then you do this and this and this, and then cause and effect comes along and dumps you this way. When I say you, I'm saying the dynamic that we call consciousness that sometimes shows up as an identity, and then sometimes shows up as another identity. And then 15 identities. And then, well, I could go on and on in that way, but all I'm trying to say to you is you cannot find a location for anything. This is an illusion that you're in this room. We're sitting here. This is a powerful illusion of location. So it isn't that in your life that you wouldn't look around you and see uh, people who are running in the relative situation of, of governing or politicians and find somebody who seems to be relatively civilized and has a, a very low level of insanity or grasping or stinginess or greediness for power and seems to have some kind of concern over the welfare of everyone, themselves and their families and so on. But a few people like that. I think even the Dalai Lama commented on that one time a few years ago where he was saying, Mainly, most people are pretty good and pretty reasonable and trying to get along. And there's just a few people who are insane and want to control. And their whole life is about getting control of everybody else. <clears throat> of course, it's a powerful control where you actually take somebody's life. Look how powerful I am. I can actually end your life. Intense greed and lust for power. 
Sometimes it's called evil, but I think that's a misunderstanding. It just makes more polarities. We're the good guys, and those are the evil guys. Good luck with that one. Millions of years are going to go by before that one will ever solve any anything fundamentally. If you're looking for a solution, then see what it is, uh, what it funda fundamentally is, rather than continue to reach into it and try to move this or move that based on your projections onto it. Because you cannot see what this is. Clearly, you can see what it looks like. And watch a movie. You want to see what th things look like? This is a movie you're watching. This is a stage play. It's unreal. It's very confusing. Linda Bowen. I think earlier, maybe it was in as it is, you had mentioned that we can't see what you see. We have to see what we see. Yes. And then now you just said that we cannot see clearly. Yes. What can we see? Begin by looking at whatever's in front of you. That's why we sit down and face a wall. We keep it very simple. Not much is happening. Turn off the, the TV or the stereo or shut off your cell phone. Do everything you can to simplify. Sit down, hold still, sit in a symmetrical posture because generally the, the mind is asymmetrical all the time. So do a little bit, sit symmetrical and watch the asymmetry of the mind go this way and go that way and go this way and go that way. But the body is just here, just here. There's just gravity. So when you give pointing out instructions, how, how would we know if we, if we see what needs to be seen? You won't know. That's why it's a spiritual path, not a path of accomplishment. I got it. I finally got it. I listened to the teacher and I studied Buddhism and, and I, I practiced Tantra uh, right up until uh, all the way through all of the Tantric practices. I'm totally worn out, but at least I got it. I got what was being pointed at. Am I being sarcastic? Yeah. I'm not saying you can't see it that way. I'm not saying you can't realize this. But it won't be easy and it won't show up as results if you're really working with results if you really want results the results are likely to be failure because it's not a mundane path it's a path of, tra path of transcendence where even the body mind complex and the very world itself become empty of your imputation about it doesn't mean it's going to vanish it doesn't mean that you're not going to be hungry tomorrow morning or that you're going to have trouble with your closet door. Write that down. Or help me with this. Questions? Dochi Bowen. Dochi. Yeah, how are we to how are we to find a course of action, a balanced course of action when the spiritual path is so difficult? Oh gosh, it seems like the difficulty of this path makes it even more important uh, to get involved in mundane ways toward pro you know to solving these problems. Um, say it's advocating for gun control or whatever, uh, knowing that that's not a solution. How how do we balance that in our lives? Uh, the need for for both to be there, both courses of action. Uh, so uh, it is. I'm <clears throat> kind of biased. I think you should work on the mind training as much as you can and. As I said, I'm biased. I think the, the Buddhist path is a powerful way of understanding what this world is about, who you are, and what is fundamentally happening, what is fundamentally happening. And that being said, if you're working on that, you're also going to see things around you that need to be 
need to be addressed. And it's good if they're fairly close to you. I mean, they could be in a foreign country, but it, it goes through a lot of uh, changes. And so you can't really see clearly what might be happening to a place you're sending your money to. I'm not saying there aren't some people or situations you could trust probably aren't. But just like in our situation, we're very slowly, it takes a long time, trying to address the people right in this immediate neighborhood, this immediate community. This takes a while. You can't just jump in and start a program and invite everybody to come over. It, it takes, takes a while to see, not to convert anyone to Buddhism. I have no interest in that at all. I don't really care if anybody becomes a Buddhist. That's your business. Uh, Toji Bowling, it just seems, you know, Buddhism over the years has caught a lot of, you know, um, I'd say negative comments about it because of its kind of being above the fray uh, in, in a way. Um, I guess I'm just looking for how to approach balance in having a strong spiritual practice and being active in a in the mundane arena that isn't ever going to be a real solution, but at least can get some things done, perhaps, you know, for, not that it has, but it could. Um, so that's just a personal choice then, how, how we find balance, Mowing? Well, it could be, or could you could be working with others. Uh, it's, I mean, there's so many different ways to approach it. So just whatever job you happen to have, uh, any, any of us have, you can just work in that area that, with your coworkers. Listen to them. Don't convert them to anything. Don't tell them to meditate. Listen to them. Meet people where they are at. That would be a start. And start with your own family. Listen to your partner. Demand nothing. If you can't even in your own kitchen, if you're having arguments and disagreements in your own kitchen about what you didn't get what you wanted or somebody else got more or you're not having control over this or that, then that work with that one first before you go out into the community with your idealism. I'm not saying that you couldn't do both at the same time. There needs to be a fair amount of clarity about anything you're generating and throwing out at the world. But not the first one to say that. Dogen said it very clearly. He said, going out towards the world with anything, any project, any idea, any movement out, outflows. Any movement out is confusion or delusion. And anything that is moving that you receive, allow the world to come to you in the voice of your neighbor, the voice of your child. When that comes to you, when you just can receive what this is, including when you sit down and face the wall and just receive, mind is just flooded with causes and conditions and uh, objects of uh, hope and fear, uh, pain, suffering. Um, the eight worldly dharmas are constantly flowing back and forth and all over the place. They're going out, they're coming in. Just observe, just observe, just observe. Intend to see what this is. The intention to see what it, what it is is powerful because you're, you're, the strategy you're using to do that is all about just looking at it, seeing it. You might be seeing it with, on the cushion, looking at the wall. You might be seeing it uh, uh, as you're not only meditating, but also maybe composing music or making a souffle. Something about everything you do as an outflow should be primarily receiving. I'm not saying your hands aren't in motion, but you're receiving what's in front of you. If you're a painter, uh, when you paint, you're not really creating something, uh, though there could be some kind of intention there. You're actually receiving what is coming off the end of your brush. If you're a musician, you're receiving the very sound that you're producing. You, you may say, yeah, obviously, you're going to have to look at what you're doing. It's, it's even, it's much deeper than that. It's like you actually get lost 
the self-centeredness self-centeredness gets lost in that world hope we the program we're going to do tomorrow at the detroit institute of arts is called open in the eye mind something i developed actually it started in the 60s when i was going to art school at the art institute of chicago and then about 20 I don't know how long it was, somewhere in 20, 22, 23 years ago, came up with some ideas about how you actually look at something in a, in a very pragmatic, simple, and structured way and actually begin to release what is there in front of you. You wouldn't think you'd have to do that. You would think you could just look at it and see, and see it, but we're, we have to retrain ourselves to stop producing things and start to receive it, receive the horrible thing in, in, uh, in Texas or in Boston or ever just receive the incredible insanity of it and do not confuse it or cover it up with your ideas, your concepts, your beliefs, your opinions, your structure, your structures, or even ideas that would show up in Buddhism. Don't do it. Receive. Um, you just said that your, um, your self-centeredness will have to get lost. What do you mean by that? Bob? just less less uh more about what is happening there and more uh and less about your ideas about what is happening so you actually start to know you actually are willing to not know what the hell you're doing even though you've been might have been painting for 20 years but really no so you're so it actually is going into a a forest of your own mind going into a a darkness of your own mind with whatever you're doing you can do that when you're making breakfast, but probably not doing that as a, because I don't teach a meditation in action. I just teach meditation. And then when you get up off the cushion, then you need to see the meditation in action. If you would even call it that. It seems necessary to do a lot of sitting meditation. You said, um, see what is fundamentally real. Yes. What is, what would fundamentally real look like? No more lies. That's why the path is about looking at the delusion. The Buddha awoke to delusion. He didn't awake to some fancy feeling of being one with everything. I think you've also said that we can't help but lie. So to see fundamentally what is real, you said there is no more lies. Isn't that a contradiction? Yeah. The whole polarity between lies and truth, between right and wrong, all the polarities start to come apart. And this is what is terrifying or frightening to to the person that has no mind training. Then the world starts to come apart, as it probably did for that person that took other people's lives. Something was coming apart. And there was intense desperation there. But we can't go in and blame this or blame that. Sure, we can find some relative problems with the school or with the teachers or with his mother, who was a, an addict, and with his grandmother, who was probably probably cranky and pretty unskilled at working with this, um, with this 18-year-old that she had probably, probably been trying to raise. But that's all clouded with drugs and everything else like that. So it makes it pretty difficult. When you're bowing, how can we see the, the lies that we produce? So I'm also biased. I'm saying sit down, face the wall, and hold very still, and train your mind to see, watch the mind. Come and go get to know yourself on a very deep level. Trungpa Rinpoche would say, make friends with yourself. So that doesn't mean that you make friends with someone or something that is uh, that you get them to stop being confused or cranky or ornery or you're not going to be friends with them. 
but you actually make friends with the negativity, work with the negativity. What about um, when we? What does polarity show us about our mind, Bowie? More. When we. You mean uh, conflicting emotions? Or like um, lies, looking at lies, uh, being, becoming aware of our, our lies, and also seeing that we cannot help but lie. How does that help us? What is that pointing at? It can show up in different ways, but it's fundamentally pointing, first of all, that you really don't have the power, the control that you thought you did. That you can actually just make the right choices kind of thing, which is often marketed in uh, modern psychology and so on. Making the right choices. Don't you tell people that as a therapist? Tell them what? They should make the right choices. No, I don't. Oh, you don't? <laughs> oh, how did you get over that? Uh, um, my teacher. Oh, who's your teacher? Sokazan Hojo-sama. Oh, fancy name. What makes him your teacher? I sense he sees the truth. You know, that's not a lie. I don't. Well said. Further question? You say to, you encourage us to see the nature of our own mind. I do. What does polarity tell us about our mind? What is it you want to know? I'm, I'm, I know what polarity is and I know what mind is. And what does it tell us? I'm not sure what it is you want to know. It seems like you talk about seeing the polarities um, and then there's the teaching on duality. I don't no. understand that. Okay. Very simple that you, when you see this way and that way, or anytime you see an either or, the very nature of confusion is to pick one. Don't pick anything. No picking and choosing. This doesn't mean that you don't decide on um, having a, a, an apple rather than a pear. It doesn't mean you're not making those kinds of choices all the time. But they're not, they're not, they don't have the, the, they're just very simple. They're not really filled with some kind of a demand, but that that situation of feeling like that we can we can do uh, desire this or desire that we can stop that from happening and start this, get more of this and get less of that. That's that's when we get entrained into confusion and into going to war with someone or something or with ourselves. We have conflicting emotions. We often hear people say when they're having difficulty, well, a part of me wants this and a part of me wants that. How many people have said that as your therapy clients? A lot of people say that. A part of me wants this and a part of me wants that. And what do I do when you say that? I hit you. No, I guess I stopped doing it a couple of centuries ago. I don't hit you. But I carry a stick. What do you want to know? you do that? I want to know what you're pointing at when you say, see the nature of your mind. What I'm pointing at is the nature of your mind. What is the nature of your mind? What, what is the nature of my mind? The way it looks over here, empty. What about, so are you saying see emptiness? No, see the nature of your mind. You can't just run with one with a comment or a statement, but you asked me, so that's what I'm saying. It's empty. Doesn't mean you're empty-minded or empty-headed or that you can't think or that you can't, you don't have emotions that there aren't things coming and go, going there, but it is empty of our considerations or ideas about it. I don't know how to say it more directly. It's, it's, to go further into it, into it, it is empty of a solid being, a self. There's no solid person there. But why would we step into something that isn't going to be easy? Because the alternative also is not easy. You're talking about stepping on the path. The alternative is to continue to spend 
in samsara and grasp at this and reject that and go to war with this, go to peace with this over here because this will work really well, but that's not working now, so now I have to go back to this. Whoops, that's not doing so well either. Somebody came and took that away, and so I'm going to press charges, and, and I could go on and on. We'd have a, you know, we'd write a play. I might want to talk to Mark Hirsch about writing detective novels. It's like that. It's like we're writing a no we'll settle for some kind of a novel about our life, which is painful, rather than just see what this is. See what, see who that is. Find out who that is. Have you noticed how much more you're seeing when you're with this person? No. Yes, sir. Pichot. Does the bodhis are you suggesting that we we pursue or we fulfill the bodhisattva vow of putting others before ourselves? Yes. Only after we have seen through ourselves by no start start right away as soon as you receive the vow which you already have then begin to it starts out as seeing how you can't quite do that that you really you start to see because you've sincerely and genuinely wanted to receive this vow you, you you can sense the the importance of doing that on some level i think everyone would talk about this differently but you, you see there's something about the self-centeredness that you can't just stop being self-centered. You just about have to dedicate yourself to others on some level. And so we begin to see that by doing that, we see how the deep levels and layers of self-centeredness in the seventh consciousness, we see the self-love, the self-reference, uh, the self, just the preoccupation with me and my stuff and my ideas and and what I'm thinking and how I'm doing and am I getting more enlightened and all of the self-reference when you start to put others before yourself through a, through a commitment and through an, an intention, I intend to do this. And then you notice how this is impossible to do. I can't do this. I can continually return around to how I'm doing, how I feel and how things are happening for me. And am I being understood rather than how, how is everyone doing? How, how, how is, Asanga doing how it is your you know your family or or someone you just meet uh, randomly somewhere else which is harder to do these days but um, we, that brings that up so it's a lot stronger that contrast between so that we can see our our self-centeredness more vividly it has a sharper kind of outline to it and it's unreal but we have to really look at it for a while and then the the relative the, the relative bodhisattva or mind of awakening and the absolute, the relative is uh, fundamentally just doing something. You just obviously somebody wants this and wants that and, and you want this and want that and they come first. They might not if you were, if it was a matter of life and death, that could change it for you. But putting uh, someone else before yourself. And, and then ultimate bodhicitta is, is uh, seeing that this entire situation we're in is unreal. It's an illusion. And it seems incredibly real. My knee is here. My hand is here. I have this stick. I'm looking at other people. I'm a real solid human being. Aren't we all doing that on some level? I even, I even tell you to reinforce that. Go look in the mirror. Go look in the mirror. Take a good long look. When I say long, I say 10, 15 minutes. You don't have to time it. Just uh, have somebody else time it. You don't want to. The point of people are, well, if you know you're going to go look in a mirror for 15 minutes, find out how many of your friends, relatives, partners, would jump to the chance to time you. Oh, yeah, you want to go look at yourself? <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Get in there and take a good look at what I look at every day. Not your appearance, but the, the otherness that shows up. It's an astonishing situation that is so completely covered up by ignorance passion, aggression, and ignorance, and yet to one who is awake, it is obvious everywhere. The preponderance or the importance that you give for sitting practice seems to put self before others because I am busy training my mind. That's why I was asking if 
if that's a sequence or not attempt to help the world till you are clear about yourself. You are putting others before yourself when you face the wall. Because that which is facing the wall is involved with everybody. You might spend three hours facing the wall or four hours, but the rest of the time is spent on the phone, talking face to face, being with Sangha. So if you're so when you're facing a wall, you're actually clarifying what comes and goes. So when you go out into the everyday situation, you know, you can remember that vow to be with all things. And when something comes up that is contentious, you can just observe it. You can just receive it. As Dogen said, it comes to you, receive, receive, rather than, rather than cover it with, with uh, judgments, opinions, ideas, and, and receive those as being some of them are feel good and other ones don't feel so good. In other words, put some kind of, um, what I've been saying, condiments lately before you actually eat what is served to you. You cover it with your ideas. Go ahead. So are you suggesting that just receiving is much more helpful to others than what we what we think it is? Yes. Yes, uh, simply put, and this is, not something you haven't thought of yourself, but just sitting with anyone, I don't care how disturbed they are, how miserable they are, but just listen to them. Sit down and sincerely say, how, with the idea you're going to, you're willing to sit there and listen to them for half an hour, an hour. How are you doing? How are things going? And they may, it may be a litany of complaints. You can listen to that for a while. Give someone, uh, who's in a position where, where the, the outflows that would show up could be more harmful to them, and here they are harmful to the, to the world, and you're going to receive them. And when, when you, as a bodhisattva, when you receive this, they, they don't get any traction. They go right through you. That's very simple. It's even almost physics. Just You can be this. As said in the tradition, I'm not sure where I'm quoting it, but but you, if you understand what this is, you can be a 16-foot golden Buddha from now on. You have to understand it, and you have to understand emptiness, because if you don't understand emptiness, you'll look for credentials, and you'll look for proof, and you'll look for all the other shenanigans we call spiritual materialism that Pongpa Rinpoche points out so splendidly in cutting through spiritual materialism. Yes. Does when you see that there isn't anyone that's suffering, is there a quality of ease? Could become more intense. So you see, the seeing that uh, things are empty of a self, but are are in the middle of a blitzkrieg of suffering. Um, seeing that it's empty, that's, you might be able to see that. Uh, but the people who are in it, they believe this, and they're torturing their nerve endings with this, whether they're mental nerve endings or any other kind. So you may be less uh, put upon by that, if that's what you're asking me. You, you, but you need to help them see that it's empty. They don't see it that way. Basically, we create our own suffering with the help of the nerve endings. More? Does no more war have a quality of ease? Is that different? What are you looking for? Ease? <laughs> What's the title of the talk? This isn't going to be easy. No, this is not going to be ease. This will not be ease. Yeah, I just changed the talk title. Make it up. So I'm, I'm being silly, but I'm saying, let's talk, let's go into that a little further. What is it you're looking for? What do you want to know? Jeez, I'm bowing. It just seems like there's some quality of sitting practice that is calming or easy in a way. And when I look at you, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of struggle. And so I'm wondering what it's not going to be easy is pointing at if no struggle. there's some stillness or like that lack of warfare. With me? Is that, is that, like that you guys do? 
I look that good. (laughs) (laughs) The ease may come and go. The struggle may come and go. All kinds of intermediate emotions and things can come and go, but you're just, you're, you're not particularly bothered by that, even though you have intense emotions come and go. Uh, or happiness, or any of those things are welcome to do whatever they want, but there's no solid being there that is what, either claiming it or rejecting it. it hasn't, there's no positionality on anything. So it's, it's more like everything seems like weather, like sunshine, snowstorm, tornado, earthquake, all of that conditional kind of thing that we, we don't really get to blame anybody for unless we blame the what are we blaming right now? Oh, the oil companies. We blame them because of, because of climate change and so. And we're not saying we can't find culprits, but it's 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 a much bigger than just uh, the oil companies. It's much much bigger and more extensive. You guys not holding hands? Ease. It's ease, isn't it? So far. <laughs> So go ahead. You have something else on that? I'm just going to go back to uh, when you said when when we're listening to others, we have to understand emptiness. How are we to how are we to understand emptiness? So at the same time that it, you need to receive. Uh, you you don't need to take whatever you're receiving and convert it into something that's more digestible. You just receive it, what it, how it shows up, even if you're not sure what's being said or what the person's confusion is. If we're using that as an example of listening to someone's uh, dithyrambic uh, uh, outflow, you might be listening to that and listening to that and listening to that. But just receive, just receive. You have room for that. Is that emptiness? So I'm hesitating because I'm trying to find a way to respond to that that will that won't change that, taking it in another direction altogether. And I would say the way you seem to be asking it, I would say yes, but the fundamental emptiness there isn't anything happening there. And it's not an emptiness of of absence. It's just empty of any kind of anything showing up of any appearance. Whereas that situation is you're just you're just receiving. You're receiving uh, the, the Tibetan tradition is something called threefold purity, which means there's no receiver, there's nothing received, and no active receiving. Or you could say threefold purity: there's no giving, no gift, and no receiver. That it's that it, it that it looks like the world looks like this is all as a relative kind of operation, and it's intense. But the ultimate truth is transcends all of that. And, and it can't be tracked down by the intellect and say, oh, yeah, I think I can see. Although some intellects, some scholars will take teachings like this and, and go at it with every word in the dictionary, Sanskrit, and try to figure out some way to, so that they can see that they have really have the insight into what that is. Right, Gyokudo? She here? Yes, go ahead. A question from Anthony in Australia. Anthony. Is any effort required to just receive? It seems like there's some effort there, uh, and some of it might, initially it's going to be how you, uh, when you're listening to someone, how you keep reinterpreting what they're saying or judging them as they're talking. You're not just receiving the words of the language or whatever it may be. You're actually have, you're objecting to it and you're moving it aside. And so there's some effort happening there. Eventually you just receive. Eventually you just, whatever shows up, you listen, whatever shows up, you smell whatever shows up. You see it. Whatever shows up, you feel. You taste. You smell. You taste. You think. You, even the thoughts are just dependently risen. There's no thinker. There's no solid being. 
it's you know quite the quite the joke to discover that all this stuff that you thought there was somebody here having these emotions and having these thoughts and having these evil thoughts, these great thoughts or these whatever that you thought there was also a being here who was having that. There isn't anyone. Realize it. Or at least consider that. Consider just a basic teaching of the Buddha and of Buddhist teachers down through the centuries. There's no solid being in the skandhas form, feeling, perception, concept, and consciousness. No, there's no identity there. I've heard you say that, um, that if something shows up, pushing and pulling gives it its fuel or mm -hmm. gives ego its fuel. Yes. What gives the three poisons their fuel? Well, they, they're called on occasionally to support the whole self-centeredness. So, for instance, uh, you're in a particular situation and your self, you're feeling that you, that you are somebody, the seventh consciousness is, is described in the Yogacara tradition of the, the form of the eight consciousnesses. The seventh is the paranoid part. That gets paranoid and that may go into passion, explaining, justifying, condemning, judging passion. Or it may go into aggression, fighting back, pushing. It may just it, it, it is brought in, under into the the fear that the self-centeredness has, which is unreal. It's an aspect of consciousness that that thinks there is someone who is identified with this body form, with Sogazan or Mozugu, and that you think or I think that we are somebody. Somebody just insulted us. Somebody maybe not intentionally, but they did something that triggered an area of our consciousness that's that's hiding around the corner that's not really been looked at. This is what like Shikantaza is about, is to go and look into these areas uh, so much that eventually those start to arise and you get to be responsible for those things that are there. Not as a not as an ego you're responsible. The kind of responsibility that I'm referring to is the ability to respond. It doesn't mean you do anything with it other than just it's yours. Not ownership, but it's, it's you, it's this. So no one caused it, and no one necessarily needs to do anything about it. So the three poisons come in and support uh, by passion, aggression, and ignorance. And ignorance would be uh, just uh, blocking something, or just not look, just, just distracting yourself. Something is obviously giving you difficulty, and you just decide just not to look at it anymore. Example I sometimes use it myself many 30 years ago or so when someone was in a business that I had was was embezzling or they were writing checks to them to an imaginary company and cashing them. And uh, and I'm walking down with this person who I like quite well. And but I think he might have thought that well, he's got lots of money and he can just he uh, he's not gonna give me a raise, so I'll just take a raise. <laughs> so which is what he did. And so but the I remember my feeling of walking along, his wife's in the car, and I look over and I see his hands go, I don't know if I can do this on the screen, it's kind of like, but they're right in front of him, he's a little bit ahead of me, and she held something up and he went like this, like put that away, kind of hand and arm signal, and, uh, American Sign Language, right? And so, and, and, and she just put it down, and I remember thinking about it, and, and there was room for me to go in there and speculate and what that was, because I was losing money. But you know, I didn't. I really didn't want to dislike him. I liked him. And so I instead I just I could I could feel that when I think back on it, I can actually kind of remember the way I just didn't want didn't want to think about that. I didn't want to think that he was a crook or that he was doing something wrong. And eventually I found out that he's, he's stolen a lot of money from me. Not a lot, I didn't have a lot of money, but he stole thousands. And basically, uh, kind of ruined the business. So, but we all do a little bit of that, and that keeps the ego, that keeps that particular ego at that time, who didn't want to give, his name was Don, give him a hard time. You know, really, it really didn't, it's almost like I wanted to help him. I uh, was willing to, uh, do that so I wouldn't have to just deal with somebody who was in my business and, and I'm trusting that's stealing from me. 
Yeah. You follow a little bit of that? Passion, aggression, ignorance, warfare, peace fair, making excuses, blaming, blaming oneself, supports to blame yourself. The, the pride is ego and shame is ego, just two different ways of the self-centeredness can show up. The divine, are there like layers of the three poisons that we have to kind of see through and do nothing with? They, they could show up in layers, they could. But the important thing is you don't have to sort through anything. Hold still, watch the movement. And, and don't, if you can, don't add or subtract or divide any, just watch what comes your way. Rather than go into it or push on it or pull on it or explain it or clarify it or don't do anything with it. No matter how cloudy it looks, just receive. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Excuse me. What's difficult about cool boredom? What's difficult about it? It's probably not cool boredom. It's probably hot. Cool boredom is pretty cool. You know, you're, you're there. You've been sitting there for four days, four hours. However long length of time. And you're bored, but there's a a quality, this is a trunk burn but chase expression. But you sit there long enough, eventually you're bored, you're bored but it's a, there's a coolness to it. It's like uh, his example, I think, was when you first start the boredom, it's like uh, water coming down a mountain, hitting all the rocks and creating a lot of chaos in the mind. You're sitting still, but the mind is going every which, every which direction. And it's uh, even that is boring. You're just tired of the bored with the chaos in the mind. But then if you sit there long enough, eventually that begins to, to level out. So it's more like, instead of coming down the mountain, it's more like, uh, I think the Im image he used is more like a, a river that eventually wa widens and widens and becomes uh, quite calm as it reaches the, the, the mouth of the Amazon. So, and that is still boring, but it uh, has a flatness to it that is... Um, uh, you may not use this word, but I would use the word. It may be somewhat even luxurious that you can just do nothing. And you can think nothing. Don't do anything. It might take a fair amount of meditation practice before that would arise. And it's not a goal. It's just something he talked about. How does it's not going to be easy relate to that luxurious quality? Many years away. I remember Allen Ginsberg was at a 1975 at a crazy wisdom seminar. I'm sure Allen wanted to get wisdom as fast as possible. Uh, he was uh, quite a good poet. But I remember he was asking... Uh, the Yadar of Trunk Rinpoche, a lot of people there asking him. Uh, and it was he wasn't teaching, but he was kind of explaining his idea of crazy wisdom to Rinpoche. And Rinpoche said, and I can't remember the whole thing. If you read uh, the book on uh, crazy wisdom, I, there's a, uh, a transcript of it there. I haven't, I've never read it, so I just remember it. So, but I never, I've never actually read that book. Um, I. I recommended to people. <laughs> uh, said something like uh, he was talking about the use of how you were, how wisdom was so wild and crazy, and he had kind of a romantic idea. Alan did at the time, as I recall, and he said, <clears throat> first you get wisdom, then you go crazy." So, and my understanding of that crazy wisdom is that is that when one functions out of reality or whatever rises, rather than what like or what is right and wrong or picks and chooses or has strategies about how to get some kind of a result, when you just operate function out of whatever shows up, you're with it, not against it, you're not for it, and you're not ignoring it. So therefore, you may be in motion and you may do nothing. You may sit there. When one functions that way, then... Uh, Generally, not much will be happening, but on occasion, depending on the situation, 
that person's movements or form or um, the quality of that person's energy, movement, however you want to say it, may look pretty crazy from the point of view of, of someone's ego because they're not, they're not functioning out of some kind of rationality based on right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, or any of the relative dynamics of society or culture. So therefore, that could look crazy. It's like the story, several stories. There's one story of, uh, of uh, was it Marpa the translator was, brought a whole bunch of gold to uh, Naropa. This is a, probably a myth, but it's interesting. Brought a bunch of gold to him to, to present to him for the teachings. Uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, because I can have all these dudes back in the ancient time confused. Seems like it was Marpa. Was it Marpa? Remember? Yeah. Yes. All right. Thanks. Thanks, guys. So anyway, I'll finish with a story with your help. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, Marpa was kind of negotiating with him, and uh, and uh, as I recall, uh, Naropa took the, the gold and, and just threw it up in the air. <laughs> was, well, something like, what, what do I need for gold? The whole world is gold to me. So it's a pretty good, even if I have the names wrong, which I might. Uh, the story is good. It's the, everything is fundamentally, utterly valuable. To, to you, you can't really talk about it in a way other than to say it's just fundamentally, everything, everything you see is a Buddha. This is not something you need to look for. What you need to do is look at this. Looking for things uh, as circles. Looking at this, there's no circle, there's just this. I highly recommend it. Question from Terry in Novi. Terry. Terry Bowing, you often say consciousness belongs to no one. Can you say more about what you're referring to when you say something gets triggered, hidden in our consciousness? So it's like the karma that got you here, that gives you these ears or this nose or this skin color or this family dynamic that you were born into or this culture or this country you're in. And just being a human being is dependently risen. So lots of causes and conditions. It's very, very understatement, very complicated. And it didn't start when you were born. It started way before this body came into being. So. Your mind stream is, uh, doesn't belong to anyone, and it's everywhere. It's not just located in, what, or, or this. It's not, it doesn't have a location. It locates. When your eyes open, it locates. When your eyes close, it stops locating. This is why Vipassana is so popular with people, because you can actually not look at your life and call it meditation. Yes, you can quote me, in case you're wondering. Chisho, are you embarrassed? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I take it back. Vipassana is fine. If that's what works for you, then you should do Vipassana. When I say works, it feels good to do Vipassana. Is Sokaran here? Let's see what she thinks about Vipassana. Should we just quit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Was, it, was I in the middle of a question or, or answering a question? What did I leave off? Ask Terry. Terry, did that help you? <laughs> you better hurry because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call on Yuhang in a minute. Okay, Yuhang, go ahead. Yuhang Bali. On this path, can imagination cause a conflict on this path? Bowing. Yes, uh, the imagination is uh, in the three natures. Uh, there's an imaginary nature of the mind, and that's the part that creates a lot of problems and so on. So there's a dependent, there's the, 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 that which is dependently arisen, which is without personality or personhood or anything. It just this caused that, caused this, caused that. And then there's uh, the imaginary nature, which comes along and interprets all of that and then makes inventions and, and creates a self and creates a success and a failure and 
and right and wrong and up and down, it's just very, very complicated. And then if you see through that whole situation, uh, it'd be the best way to, the way it looks to me, if you see through it, then this is a perfected nature. You see what this is, then you, you've transcended everything. You've transcended, not you, but consciousness have, which has transcended, which is not a person, not a self. Has no location. So imagination is, uh, you would say, uh, what is it, parkalpata, uh, imaginary nature. Parnishpana is the perfected nature, and partantra is the dependently risen. This cause that, cause that, cause that, partantra. But parnishpa functions in a similar way, but kind of, uh, kind of re changes and interprets that. It's also dependently risen in its energy, but it's but it's very confusing because it it generates uh, value and and lack of value and all kinds of ideas and positionality that support the self-centeredness, the feeling that you are somebody and you can get this right, or you can succeed. You could be, anybody can be president of the United States. Isn't that true? Anybody can be, what, what, a, what an interesting thing to say to young people. So, how about the imagination in art and the poetry? Is that a is different from the imagination you're talking about? No, it's no, but it's it's not chained to an ego. If it's if it's actual creativity, then you don't really give a shit what you produce from the point of view of ego. But from the point of view of, of appreciating, you you love everything. You you love color. You love shapes. You love sound. You love it. And, you know, if three days go by and one day you produce uh, a beautiful painting and the next uh, next two days uh, there are pieces, uh, you've produced paintings, but they're not like that first one. So this does not ca cause you any any difficulty because there's no solid being there doing that. Uh, quite often people who are involved in the arts because of the intensity of the, the, the emotional dynamic that can happen with anybody who's, who's functioning as a crea creator, I could even capitalize that. This can be very difficult for the ego structure. And if you, uh, I can just name, uh, can name any number of books, but there's a book by, Phil, uh, 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 by Philip Guston's uh, daughter called Night Studio. And, and it gives you an idea how, how tortured he was, how he tortured himself trying to produce really, really good art. And he did, he did produce really good art, but he also was pretty miserable. Pretty difficult, and his even his daughter was not so happy with her dad because he all of his time was spent on that. So imagination is uh, can be wonderful, enjoyable, fun, and entertaining, and it's perfectly okay. You don't have to be celibate, live on a mountaintop. You can meditate and make a lot of cool stuff. You can buy. I still have one more uh, follow-up question. So to cultivate the, the creativity or the imagination, if we want to, how can we be aware not go so, to the other side? Fine. Uh, what do you want to know? You need to give, give me a little bit more clarity on what it is you're asking, and then I'll let me work with that. Yu Hong Baoying. I want to know to to have to have the curiosity and creativity. So, what's the fear? How to work with the fear of having and enjoy this capacity? So, I might have to talk to you quite a bit more to find out how that's showing up in your life. But I would say just a generic response to it, just a, from just taking what you say, I would say just do it anyway and, and receive the, the fear part. That would be a good way to work with the fear is make something, create something, use the creativity and know, and include the fear. Right? I mean, don't, don't demand it, but just when fear comes up, just that's part of your, that's part of your, uh, your creative, shall we say, outflow that you produce music or you produce uh, poetry, or you produce writing, or you or you produce uh, uh, working with children, or you produce there's a lot of creativity there. Working with young people, uh, working with uh, our society uh, altogether, 
just working in an office, uh, getting along, communicating, cooperating, collaborating with a group of people that are all hired by a particular company to do a particular job. That's a good area for creativity. Thank you, Bobby. Certainly. Go ahead. Another question from Terry. Terry, okay. I give it up on Terry. What is the personal part of individual karma? It seems confusing when thinking about there is no one. But you think there is someone, so that's the personal part. And when you realize there isn't anyone, then the the stories and the and the personhood may all still assemble, or you may be able to see even more clearly what's going on in the past. But you are not in the past. Karma is coming and going, and every, and consciousness is is uh, without uh, ownership and it's without location and it is it's not it does not belong to anyone and nor does it is it separate from everything else so i'm imagining that you're terry i'm talking to you <coughs> so you actually look quite a bit better than terry <laughs> <laughs> so you you just work with it how it is i don't i don't know if i can say it anymore Clearly than that, there, there'll be the anytime you see think there's a self that's that's uh, is unreal, and that is but is reinforced by fear, and then we covered up the fear with a with some kind of a protection or some kind of a conclusion or or possibly even chemicals to cover up the difficult feelings or emotions, but it's unreal. There's no solid being anywhere. This is Shikantaza will. Sitting meditation and the study of the Buddha's Dharma will take you in that direction. It won't do it for you, and uh, isn't going to be easy. Is that the talk title? See how I very cleverly came back to that talk title. Okay, I'm sure you guys have had enough, so let's call it. Uh, what do we usually call it? It's not going to be easy not going to be easy and we're going to do the dedication of merit anyway but it won't be easy may the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the buddha's way Please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokupoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. <laughs> 